What's going on, good people? Welcome to another episode of the Money Over Blitzes podcast. My name's Kyle. We have a great episode for you in store today. Uh, but first, if you're new, consider subscribing to our podcast. Uh, looking to try and post at least every week. Uh, I've been a little bit slow the last week or so. I took last week off, but uh, trying to get on a, a regular schedule, especially with the season kicking back up into full swing. We'll begin preseason games soon. Training camp will be opening up, so we'll be looking to push out some content for you guys. But uh, yeah, consider giving us a subscription on the YouTube channel. It's at Money Over Blitzes. Uh, where you listen, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're available there. And also give us give us a follow on Twitter again at Money Over Blitzes. Uh, we've gained a little bit of a following there. I've been putting out some trades, uh, some of the trades that I've been able to do myself in some dynasty leagues. Get some feedback on those. So it's been good interacting with folks. So uh, without further ado, let's talk about unicorns. Now you might think to yourself, Kyle. What's Kyle talking about? Unicorns? Why are we going to talk about unicorns on a fantasy football podcast? Are you crazy? Bear with me. Alright, so you can define a unicorn, at least for this purpose, as something that is highly desirable but difficult to find or obtain. And that is a perfect situation for a fantasy-relevant tight end. A top-tier tight end. We know the big players at this point already. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, some people are trying to put Hawkinson in that group. But of course, now enters Kyle Pitts into the chat for 2021. Freak athlete, and everyone's thinking that he's going to be the next big thing. Uh, we did have some conversation in one of my league chats about, you know, what can we set for expectations for him this year? Because especially with rookie tight ends, you, history doesn't bode well for them. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but... There was a lot of back and forth, needless to say. That you know, people are trying to hedge their bets as far as what what we can expect from Kyle Pitts coming into this year. Some people are downing him. Some people are really high up on him. I'm personally one of those guys that's very high up on Kyle Pitts year one. I think he is, in fact, a unicorn um, for what we're looking for from our fantasy tight ends. But let's get into it. Let's let's talk about the player. So. First, we got to talk about the athletic profile, and I talked about it a little bit at for our fantasy tight end, our rookie tight ends coming into this year. Of course, he was at the top of the list, but for those of you that missed it, we're talking six foot six, two hundred and forty-five pounds, huge athlete, big guy. Just for reference, average NFL defensive back is five eleven, one hundred ninety-three pounds. So we're already talking about a six to seven inch advantage depending on what you believe in for heights um, so he already has the advantage over DBs when we're talking about contested catches um, you know just trying to box out guys and I you can see it on film when he was in Florida that was a big part of his game as well when he lined up as a receiver so he's gonna have the advantage there all right let's talk about speed Kyle Pitts ran a 4-4-9-40 now corners usually can run in that range so you don't necessarily have the speed advantage there but let's look at the, NFL, the average NFL safety. They run a 4.54 40-yard dash. So he already has there another five-tenths of a second advantage. So he's too big for DBs. He's too fast for NFL receiver uh, safeties. So no matter where you put him on, on the line of scrimmage, he's a mismatch somewhere. 98th percentile speed score, 85th percentile catch radius, and he 
of course, he's given a pro comp to Noah Fant, and I think Darren Waller is another very appropriate uh, comp to him. So an athlete in every sense of the word and someone that you want to get out on the field as much as humanly possible. And all this is available from Player Profiler. That's where I pulled all these stats. Um, speaking of stats, let's actually get into his statistical profile from last year in college. Talking about a kid that averaged 17.9 yards per catch. Uh, he had a 14.2% target share, 64.2% catch rate, which is pretty good, 12 touchdowns, and a 24.1% college dominator rating, which landed him in the 74th percentile. And for those of you who don't know what college dominator rating actually means, that is, in terms of the percentage, how much a player actually accounts for a team's total yards and touchdowns. So basically how much they account for their offense. Um, and for Kyle Pitts, he accounted for 24% of Florida's offense last year. Huge part of their offense, of course. He was a focal point. So that's something that we look for in re receivers and tight ends, of course, too. Tight ends, you don't normally see it as much. But again, the running theme of this episode, Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. So I, I think that's going to translate to the next level in terms of him lining up outside. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. So the one big knock on Pitts right now and fantasy tight ends, rookie tight ends in general, in terms of fantasy-wise, is the history of it. So I did a little bit of digging, and I went to uh, 4for4.com. This, this uh, study was done back in 2015, but it's still appropriate. It is a little bit older, but I think it's still relevant. So they did... Um, a breakdown, basically, based on tight end scoring, broke it down into four categories. We're talking elite, starter, streamer, and low-end streamer. And it was all based on targets, because that targets is the the keystone kind of metric that you want to use in order to determine future success. If you're getting targets, as long as you're a good enough athlete, you're getting touch touches, you're getting those catches, and you're turning those into points, and you're turning those into big plays. So, um, for... An elite, with looking at a baseline targets of uh, 101 points, or 101 targets, excuse me, and for uh, PPR fantasy points, that's 189. Starter worthy, you're looking at 89 targets or 149 points. Streamer, 82 targets or 125 points. Uh, low end streamer, 65 targets or 101 points on the year. So, when we start to dig into that, start digging up some players, going through all those, turns out, only 11 out of 107 rookie tight ends finished with at least 101.4 PPR fantasy points since 2006. Ouch. That's rough. And then to dig that a little bit deeper, three of those 11 finished with more than 125.5 PPR points, so more than a streamer level uh, type player. And Rob Gronkowski, of course, had 156.6 points in 2010. His rookie year with the Patriots, of course, he went crazy getting all kinds of touchdowns and getting all kinds of uh, commanding all kinds of targets. When we talk, when we start talking about draft capital, um, only a few tight ends have been drafted really within the, the first four rounds. So you're talking about in round one, eight tight ends, uh, round two, 17, Round three, 18, and round four, 19. And this is all, again, since 2006. Um, once you start breaking those in terms of hit rate, round one, 25% of those tight ends were, were considered low-end streamers. Round two, 
get down to 23% and you get into the streamer category of 11.8%. Round three, 18.7% as far as low-end streamers go. And then round four, only 5.3% between low-end streamers and regular streamers. So really the one outlier would be Rob Gronkowski in terms of actual starter level play. And he was drafted in round two, so he accounted for he was the 5.9% um, that came out of you know tight end production. So history, not looking super great for Kyle Pitts. It's not boating super well for him. But that's going to be the main argument. That and you could argue probably his, his run blocking ability. Could use some work, absolutely. You will not hear me uh, fight you on that one. That's something that can be developed with time, though. That's something that he just... He shows the willingness to block, so it's already there. It's just technique, maybe getting a little bit stronger, filling out his frame um, a little bit more, getting, just getting a little bit more strength, and then he can start really moving people around. So, that's talking about the history. Now, let's talk about the present. The present, of course, Kyle Pitts went pick number four overall in this last draft, the highest selection for a tight end in NFL history. So, we already have that going for him in terms of breaking new ground. When we start to actually look at Atlanta's roster situation now, and we start to look at the skill position players, at running back, you have Mike Davis and then Cordero Patterson. Maybe he plays some running back, maybe he plays some receiver. I don't know. He's going to end up probably a little bit of both, just knowing the nature of how he has been playing. When we look at the wide receiver position, Calvin Ridley, stud. Olamid Zacchaeus, who knows? Could it be an ad, you know, a waiver wire ad or something? Maybe, but I'm not going to expect too much from him. Russell Gage showed a little bit of promise, but not super promising. Does he have the opportunity? Sure, but I don't see anything that really scares me in terms of him taking away from Kyle Pitts or anybody else. And then Tajay Sharp, just another guy. Right, just just another guy on the depth chart to help fill in. Not a difference maker by any means. And then of course you have Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst at the tight end position. Julio, of course, as we know now, no longer in town. He went to Tennessee. So he had 68 vacated targets over nine games played last year. That's 120 target pace. So you're looking at potentially 120 targets that have been vacated and haven't necessarily really been replaced outside of Kyle Pitts. He's been the one real add to that offense besides Mike Davis, but I'm not. It's a you know running back receiver. It's totally two different worlds. Could Mike Davis get some targets? Sure, uh, but I'm not. I'm not you know sounding the alarms because Mike Davis is in town now. If we take out the two games that Julio barely played, he only had a 20% snap share, and take those numbers out, take those targets out, now you're looking at 140 target pace. So, again, tons and tons of opportunity for Kyle Pitts. If the offense changes at all, um, which, I mean, it, it could happen, theoretically. You have Arthur Smith coming in now. Uh, it brings that Tennessee-style offense uh, where... It was a really hyper-efficient offense. We went over that in the, in the coaching uh, coaching episode, last episode. Ryan Tannehill still managed to pass, I think it was 3,800 yards or 3,200 yards last year. So hyper-efficient offense, had a ton of passing touchdowns there. Um, that's, that's the extreme in the opposite direction because we know that 
Atlanta passed the ball a ton last year. So I think the the reality is somewhere in between. Matt Ryan, of course, he's still the quarterback. He was fifth in passing yards last year with 4,500 or almost 4,600 yards and 15th in passing touchdowns with 26. So like I just said, they threw the ball a ton in Atlanta. That defense is not great. It didn't get any better this year. It's still very young, still needs to kind of build and develop. You're talking about a very tough division where you have the defending Super Bowl champions in Tampa Bay there. They put up points. They brought their whole offense back. You have Carolina, which has a ton of weapons. Going to see how Sam Darnold pans out. But you have Christian McCaffrey coming back, along with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, a Joe Brady-led offense uh, as far as the coordinator goes. They put up points last year. And then, of course, New Orleans. You have Alvin Kamara. Uh, it remains to be seen what's going to happen at the quarterback position. But Taysom Hill, he proved to be pretty uh, pretty competent himself. And Jameis Winston, of course, we remember what what that looked like in Tampa Bay, causing you know all kinds of different opportunities for turnovers and chucking the ball downfield and you know just throwing the ball all over the place. So with that comes big plays. So now you're talking about another potential potent offense. And, of course, I trust Sean Payton to develop a good offense. He's always towards the top in terms of offensive efficiency anyway. So, moral of the story here is there's going to be points scored in this division. And that means the ball is going to be thrown quite a bit. Uh, I think there's going to be plenty of volume to go around, especially to go Kyle Pitts' way. Um, I, I don't see how he doesn't end up eating this year. And to me, and where I think that, again, kind of the unicorn theme kind of comes in, I would not be surprised at all if we see Kyle Pitts play more on the outside as opposed to inline playing tight end. I think we had some of this argument when Jimmy Graham came into the league and he started to ball out for New Orleans. And then when his contract situation came up, we were worried about, okay, is you know, should he be paid a receiver? Should he be paid a tight end? Of course, those are very different pay scales. You know, how much is he lining up at receiver? How much is he lining up at tight end? Uh, that was a big argument for a while. Jeremy Shockey, that was a big argument for him for a little while because he started doing a lot of the same uh, similar things. Of course, that was earlier on, a little bit of a different era, but he was kind of the first tight end in recent memory to kind of develop this role and become this kind of weapon. Kyle Pitts is bigger than Jeremy Shockey. He's Jeremy Shockey is six foot two, I think it was six two, six three. Kyle Pitts is six six. So I think for him, he's going to end up playing a lot outside Calvin Ridley, uh, opposite him. And you ha- when you have Calvin Ridley on the opposite side, taking away a lot of coverage and a lot of attention, that's going to open up the world for Kyle Pitts. I, I really do believe that he's going to have a really successful year this year. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that I didn't manage to get any shares of him. I've been trying to get some shares now before, you know, things really start to before he really starts to take the field and all this starts to be, you know, all this theoretical numbers start to be put into hard stats. Um, but so far, no luck. Hopefully, we can break through before this the season actually starts. But yeah, I I think as far as my takeaways for what to expect from Kyle Pitts. Of course, his run blocking, like I said before, it's going to have to develop eventually, but Hayden Hurst can still fill that role in the immediate. I think that's why they kept him on. Um, 
that gives Kyle Pitts time to really learn and develop because I think that's really where rookie tight ends tend to struggle. You know, you have these freak athletes come in and they have to learn both the playbook and then develop more of a run blocking, uh, you know, skill set. And they didn't necessarily have to use that in college. They were more just considered weapons and ran more routes than had to worry about run blocking necessarily. So I think what Atlanta's doing is they, they kept Hayden Hurst in to help with any kind of run blocking, pass blocking, uh, help be a mentor to Kyle Pitts before he eventually moves on. They trade away Julio, which to me says that they really believe in using Kyle Pitts maybe in that same skill set in that same vein I don't think you make that kind of move if you plan on just keeping Kyle Pitts in line I think it kind of worked out for Atlanta in both ways because Julio was due a lot of money and he was obviously getting older he's 32 and you know Atlanta's still a few years away um, from making another Super Bowl push so it didn't make sense for them to hang on to Julio but at least for in the immediate you draft Kyle Pitts at number four. You obviously plan on using him as a weapon. You can use him opposite of Calvin Ridley and just let the boys eat, basically. I think the ball's going to be chucked around all over the place again this year. They're going to have to put up points with the other teams in their division, and uh, that defense isn't going to do them a ton of favors, so they're definitely going to have to play keep up, I think, a lot of games. Um, so for me... My rough projection for what Kyle Pitts can do, I give I gave both a, a very conservative and probably at least somewhat aggressive take in terms of my projections for him. Somewhere between 70 to 80 receptions. Again, we're talking about 120 to 140 targets that are being vacated. And I'm not saying those are all going to Kyle Pitts, but he's going to get a good bunt, a good boatload of those I, I don't expect him to not be fed the ball when you draft him that high uh, so that's where I have for reception number uh, I think that lands him somewhere between 800 and 1100 yards again he's he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands so I think he's going to get a lot of the downfield work and um, you know I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the, the 17 yards per per catch uh, number he was at in college but it wouldn't surprise me if, for him to be anywhere you know 10 to 15 yards per catch. Um, so that that's kind of what I set for him for uh, receiving total. And then I think he gets somewhere between 5 and 7 touchdowns. I, I think that's realistic for him. I think that's within Matt Ryan and that offense's capability. Um, I, I don't expect there to be really any kind of issues for, uh, for that offense. But I just wanted to get this episode out there, kind of talk about Kyle Pitts a little bit. I know a lot of people are pretty apprehensive as far as what to expect from him this year. Um, obviously, the history doesn't show to be in his favor. Of course, everybody that has come before him has struggled mightily their first year. But it's all different situations. It's a different era now in terms of the passing games. And again, you know, we haven't seen anybody like Kyle Pitts. We haven't seen anybody that freakishly athletic to where he can play both tight end and a true receiving role since, you know, Darren Waller type. And Noah Fant's probably another close comparison. That's why I, you know, comped them in the beginning of the episode. But I think we can see a very similar role to what Darren Waller is going to end up doing in Vegas. Of course, 
Waller has a little bit less competition. You know, he doesn't have a Calvin Ridley opposite him, but I think that Kyle Pitts will play very similarly to Darren Waller schematically, and I think that's going to lead to a lot of fantasy production um, this year right away. And that's where I guess I'm kind of calling my shot on this is a lot of people aren't going to expect him maybe to pan out this year, but there are a good amount of people that will. So it seems to be a, a real divide in here. But that's that's kind of what I wanted to present to you guys today, give you the you know the pros and cons to both arguments to each side, so you can pick your own. You know, weigh the the pros and cons out and see kind of how you feel about how much you weigh history into things versus the player itself. For me, I can't fade talent. I can't fade. Um, you know, the raw athletic profile that is Kyle Pitts and just the where he was drafted. Again, number four overall. You know, you're talking about before Jamar Chase, so he was highly sought after. And um, it it would not surprise me at all for him to be fed the ball a ton. So that's what I got for you guys today. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, my little ramble about Kyle Pitts and about unicorns. Uh, you know, if you want any other topics covered let me know uh get at me on twitter again like i said uh leave us a review uh, if you if you're really interested we enjoy it we appreciate all the feedback that we get and uh talk to you guys on the next one peace